1: On CBS Mornings. On this Tuesday, August 23rd, I'm Tony DeCoppo. I'm Jamie Ukas. And I'm David Begno. We're going to begin with the historic and deadly rainfall now moving deeper into the south after devastating the Dallas area. That city had gotten no rain, none at all, all summer, and then it fell all at once in buckets starting Sunday night. Eastern Dallas saw nearly a foot of rain in just 24 hours. At least one person has been confirmed killed so far in these storms. And Omar Villafranca has made his way to Dallas through those flooded streets amid concerns. The flooding will continue to threaten the region all week. Omar, good morning. Good morning. I'm right here by the Trinity River
2: in Dallas, and I got a few pictures I want to show you. So take a look. Just a few weeks ago, the Trinity River was really just kind of a quiet stream because of the drought and the triple digit heat that was baking North Texas. But take a look at this picture. Now the river basin is filling up fast after storms in North Texas dumped just over nine inches of rain in 24 hours. Rescue crews were out in force in Dallas, Texas and the surrounding area, carrying children through several feet of flood water. While some residents attempted to escape with what they could... We saw some cars get through it, and then all of a sudden we were stopped, and then I see a car just like floating towards the wall, and so they're like, oh shoot. Others were pushing nearly submerged cars out of flooded roadways. One local journalist helped a woman out of her vehicle that was stuck in the water.
3: I thought I was gonna die. Fort Worth
2: Fire has responded to more than 170 calls for rescue, and that number is expected to increase. When the floodwaters receded, dozens of abandoned cars were revealed. Crews pulled out this car that belonged to a 60-year-old woman who was on her way home from work. She died after her vehicle became submerged, according to Dallas County officials. Many residents across the region were forced to wade through the waters in their homes.
3: I hear, like, water rushing that sounded like inside water, so I was like,
2: oh no. Further west, dozens of people evacuated an eastern Arizona town when a river overflowed and flooded its roads. And in Utah, the search continues for 29-year-old Jaytal Agniotri of Tucson, Arizona, who was reported missing Friday while hiking Zion National Park after the same storm system created raging rivers of flash floods. Yesterday, storms dropped the second highest total of rain in a 24-hour period. Now, the good news here for North Texas, this area will be able to dry out. But some of those storms, as we're going to show you on a radar, uh, will be in the San Antonio area into Houston. And they are moving east into Louisiana and Mississippi, where those folks could see several inches of rain today. Jamie?
3: Buckle up. Omar, thank you. The storms are also creating more chaos for air travelers. In the last two days, more than 15,000 flights were delayed across the U.S. and more than 2,300 others were canceled. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is pushing airlines to help travelers affected by these types of disruptions. Chris Van Cleve spoke to the Secretary, who admits the flight cancellation system is not where it needs to be.
0: Another punishing stretch for summer travelers facing a flurry of flight disruptions
4: our flight was canceled, now we're back again today, it was canceled this morning, and now we're back again.
0: Severe weather pounded Dallas. More than half of the flights at one of the nation's busiest airports were delayed or canceled Monday. And nationally, nearly a quarter of all flights offered by U.S. carriers have experienced delays since the beginning of August by an average of 52 minutes.
4: I actually have a flight today that was canceled, rebooked, and has had like three changes to it. Seems like if I did my job the way the airlines do, I wouldn't have one. This is the customer service line for United,
1: and
0: At Denver's airport, dozens of flights were canceled over the last two days, prompting United Airlines to offer stranded passengers cots. How are the
5: airlines doing? So the good news is we've seen some improvement. The bottom line is it's still not an acceptable level of delays and cancellations. Weather issues happen, but they cascade through the system because the system is not yet able to cope. A system
0: Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says could take months to fix, in part because airlines and air traffic control are dealing with major staffing shortages.
1: There are several
5: things uh, that could be done. First of all, making sure that hiring is stepped up. Two, they need
1: to be ready with customer service.
0: And Louise Coons and her daughter Molly were delayed in Denver for several hours before their flight to Sacramento was ultimately canceled. Coons says it set them back nearly a full day and cost them more than a thousand dollars to get out on another airline.
6: I think it's this kind of like Hunger Games feeling that you have when it happens because you're kind of everybody's on their own and you can't really reach anybody to help
0: It's still pretty early in the travel day, and already more than 400 flights in the U.S. have been canceled. Now the Department of Transportation is planning to roll out a new website in the coming days that will lay out what options are available to passengers on all of the U.S. airlines when there are flight disruptions. The department is also working on new regulations regarding refunds when there are lengthy flight delays. David.
7: Chris Van Cleve in Arlington this morning. Thank you, Chris. Turning to Donald Trump's legal troubles, the former president has now taken his first legal action to challenge that FBI search at Mar-a-Lago. This comes after we learned just how severe his situation may be. There is a new report that hundreds of classified records have already been taken from the former president since January. Robert Costa is following all of this. He is in Palm Beach, Florida this morning. Bob, good morning.
5: Good morning, David. The former president's 21-page motion is not just a legal move, but a political argument. It claims he is the frontrunner for the Republican nomination in 2024 and cast the investigation in political terms. The Justice Department's response, this is not political. Two weeks after the FBI's search of his Mar-a-Lago home, FORMER PRESIDENT TRUMP IS ASKING A FEDERAL COURT IN FLORIDA TO STOP FEDERAL INVESTIGATORS FROM REVIEWING THE DOCUMENTS TAKEN UNTIL A SPECIAL MASTER OR THIRD-PARTY ATTORNEY CAN BE APPOINTED. IN THE LEGAL FILING, HE ALSO REQUESTS THAT THE FBI RETURN ANY DOCUMENTS THAT WENT BEYOND THE SCOPE OF THE SEARCH WARRANT.
7: A SPECIAL MASTER WOULD BE ALMOST LIKE AN EXTRA
5: JUDGE TO TAKE AN INDEPENDENT LOOK AT THOSE. THE FILING ALSO READS AS A POLITICAL PITCH AHEAD OF A POSSIBLE RUN IN 2024 in which Trump's lawyers make unsubstantiated claims of investigators being partisan, saying law enforcement cannot be used as a weapon for political purposes, and go on to say that the matter at hand involves not only the constitutional rights of President Trump, but also the preservation of executive privilege. Maybe National executive security lawyer Bradley Moss.
1: And by admitting this is really all just about executive privilege, Donald Trump is admitting these are official records, not personal records. This filing was all about trying to shore up his position with the Republican base and hoping that no one notices it's not properly constructed, is going to get slammed by the judge.
5: So far, a U.S. official tells CBS News that the Justice Department has retrieved at least 150 classified documents from the boxes Trump handed over to the National Archives earlier this year. In the New York Times reports that since federal agents re-engaged with Trump's legal team this summer and then searched his home, that number has climbed, with more than 300 documents with classified markings obtained by the Justice Department. I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. The Justice Department released this statement after the motion was filed Monday, saying the search was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. While the former president continued to rail against the search, he called a break-in.
1: All he knows is to throw things at the wall and to try to file various motions or lawsuits to try to delay things. It's worked for him in the past what well, The problem he's got here is it's a criminal investigation. A grand jury has been convened. Federal prosecutors already had to get a search warrant for his property. That's something he's never faced before. This all
5: comes as a Florida federal judge prepares to decide this week whether to release a redacted version of the affidavit that led to the FBI search of the Mar-a-Lago estate. That affidavit could reveal more about why FBI agents went in and why they believe a crime might have been committed. Tony.
1: Yeah, and if there were 300 documents marked classified there at Mar-a-Lago, lago for months. Bob, thank you very much. We're going to stick with politics for a moment because today is a crucial primary day, especially for Democrats with races in Florida and New York that could have major national implications. Caitlin Huey-Burns is following all of it for us from Washington. Caitlin, good morning.
4: Good morning, Tony. Well, today is really all about Ron DeSantis. He's not running against anybody. He has no Republican rivals, but Democrats want to blunt his rise. De- uh, DeSantis has been building a national profile ahead of a potential 2024 presidential bid, and he's amassed a huge campaign war chest of over $130 million. The governor has really positioned himself at the center of Republican Party issues and culture wars, using his levers of government to enact policies on education, abortion, and election laws. And today he's focused on school board races with about 30 endorsements in those local elections as education figures to be among the top issues in this year's midterms. Now there are two top Democrats fighting today to take him on. That's Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried and former Republican governor turned Democratic Congressman Charlie Crist. But DeSantis is beating them both in the polls. You should also keep an eye on the Senate race in Florida where Congresswoman Val Demings is expected to win her Democratic primary. She's the former police chief of Orlando and was part of the team leading the impeachment proceedings against Trump. She's narrowly leading Rubio in the latest polls. But Democrats have really been struggling in Florida, where former President Trump is popular and DeSantis is too. Tony?
1: That's certainly true. All right, Caitlin, thank you very much.
4: The results of this November's
3: midterm elections could have a big impact on Dr. Anthony Fauci. The president's top medical advisor announced he's stepping down from his job as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in December. A number of Republicans in Congress have signaled they want to investigate his role in the U.S. COVID response if their party takes control of Congress. Dr. Fauci has been with the National Institutes of Health for more than 50 years and advised seven presidents from both parties. Dr. Fauci, who is 81 years old, has not said what his plans are, but he's not retiring just yet. Instead, he says he will be focused on what he calls the next chapter of his career.
7: Jamie, now to that disturbing cell phone video of a violent arrest in Arkansas. A warning for our viewers now, the video is very graphic. The Department of Justice has ordered a civil rights investigation into the encounter in which the officer appears to beat a man while he is pinned on the ground. Now, police say the three officers involved have already been suspended, and there's also a state probe underway, which could explain that could include dash cam video that's not yet seen by the public. The man in the video, Randall Worcester, was hospitalized, then jailed. He, he was released yesterday on a $50,000 bond, but he is still facing multiple charges.
1: The State Department is saying it has information that Russia will increase its attacks on Ukraine in the week ahead. Tensions are growing even higher because of a deadly car bombing outside Moscow that killed a Russian TV commentator. The Putin government is blaming Ukraine and claiming this video on your screen now shows the attacker crossing the border. Ukraine, meanwhile, is denying any involvement, saying it wouldn't make any sense for them. Deborah Pata is in Ukraine's capital for us, tracking reaction to the bombing.
6: A memorial service in Moscow for Daria Dugina, killed instantly when her car blew up on the outskirts of the capital. The Kremlin has blamed Ukraine for the hit, claiming to have solved the case within 24 hours and releasing video of a suspect they call a Ukrainian agent. But Kyiv has vigorously denied any involvement. Dugina's father, Alexander Dugin, is a vocal supporter of the war. Now the violence against Ukraine he has long campaigned for has entered his own life. Dubbed Putin's brain, it's believed he was the intended target. It's unclear what the motive is, but former Kremlin politician Ilya Ponomarov, who was forced into exile after voting against the annexation of Crimea, claims it's the work of an underground Russian resistance group that he's been in direct contact with. And what is their ultimate goal?
2: The ultimate goal is to overthrow Putin and to stop the war and to build the city, the the government uh, of social justice.
6: He said as many as 10,000 people could be involved in this resistance. Do you think we will see more of this kind of thing?
2: Obviously. Obviously. It's just the beginning.
6: Ukraine, however, is bracing itself for revenge attacks. The country was already on edge ahead of tomorrow's Independence Day, which coincides with the six-month anniversary of Russia's invasion. Regardless of who masterminded the bomb, there are fears that Russia will use it as an excuse to ramp up strikes this week. For CBS Mornings, Deborah Pater, Kyiv.
3: Do you ever feel like there's nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you, but all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before, or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next.